0: Podcast presented by Locked On. It's Joe Marino and Kyle Krabs from the Draft Network. And we are your hosts here on this Monday edition of the show. Kyle did the 2019 NFL Draft. I'm not sure if you're aware, but it's over now, and we've got a lot to talk about here over the next month, recapping these draft classes.
1: I gotta be honest with you, I don't know what day it is. <laughs> I don't know if it's light out. Uh, All I know is we did 15 hours of on-air coverage over the course of this past weekend, Thursday night, Friday night, and Saturday night. Uh, We stood the whole time. My body's hurting right now, Joe, especially because we did the combine on Thursday morning before the first day of standing, but I'm excited to to get back into the routine and get back into the rhythm after uh, a really fun, really productive, but very exhausting weekend.
0: Speaking of standing, we are standing while we record. Yeah, that's true. The, the, yeah, this here podcast, we are uh, together here in the wonderful Queen City, Charlotte, North Carolina. The recording. Beats Factory. Yes, the, we're in the Beats Factory, aka Joe's office, and we'll be together in person here recording podcasts this week. Uh, so I don't know if the podcasts are better when we're together, but uh, you're getting that, and then you'll get that again later in this month. A I lot of,
1: be a lot of together podcasts, you. my man.
0: Right? All right, so today we are going to focus on the Pittsburgh Steelers and Baltimore Ravens, Yeah, two teams from the AFC North. Start this thing off with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Kyle, what's like your number one favorite thing about this class?
1: Uh, I didn't feel like they gave up all that much to go up and get Devin Bush, and that really stands out. They gave up uh, 52 as the primary pick uh, in addition to giving up 20, so 52 primarily being the chip to go from 20 to 10 and get Devin Bush, you know, there was some speculation on other teams who might have been interested. Detroit Lions were a team, potentially. The Denver Broncos, surprisingly, passing uh, the chance to draft Bush for themselves, trading back to 20, and being that partner for Pittsburgh. I love the fit. I think it's a no-brainer when you think about Ryan Chazier and what his absence has done for Pittsburgh's defense. And, you know, unfortunately, seeing him... Turn his life around has been excellent and get back up on his feet and how he's doing box jumps and stuff, but life in the NFL goes on. And Pittsburgh needed somebody who could bring some of those dynamic components to the second level, and I think they got that with Devin Bush.
0: Yeah, it seemed like it was always that dream that this would be their pick at 20, but then as the process unfolded that we knew he was never going to get to 20. they, They made the big move up, and I'm normally not a fan of moving up this high in the draft for anything but a quarterback, but this is a team with a diminishing window, right? Ben Roethlisberger uh, signed that two-year extension, but I mean, is he going to play that much more? And so uh, to to get this this field general on the second level of their defense makes a lot of sense to me, and uh, the fact that they didn't have to give up an additional first-round pick to go from 20 to 10, I thought that was really the silver lining for me with this deal. My favorite pick of this group. I think everybody. Justin knows. Lane. Yeah, it's going to be Justin Lane cornerback from Michigan State. They got him with pick number 83, uh, uh, third third round pick and and man, this this Pittsburgh defense statistically hasn't really been that bad, but the big plays that they always seem to give up at the worst times on defense has been a problem and I don't I know that Lane it has some work to do as a, a converted cornerback. He he just started playing receiver, or excuse me, as a converted wide receiver, he just started playing cornerback. Uh, just two years ago, and what I like is that I see a lot of the traits that I'm looking for in a prime-time cornerback prospect length size, speed, physicality, good in press, ball skills are really outstanding as you would expect for a converted wide receiver and I know that he's got to work on some things in terms of zone coverage and really timing up those uh, transitions in terms of his man coverage but all of the traits are present for him to be a a really exciting cornerback at the next level and I think when you just kind of like simplify it down to this we got a big long athletic dude with ball skills and physicality. And the right mindset. This is a player that, you know, Michigan State, if you're playing corner, you're playing DB at Michigan State, you're going to have the right type of mentality. And so, uh, like the idea of adding him, I think that he can see the field sooner than later and really give them a guy opposite of Joe Hayden that they've been desperately needing for a while.
1: Uh, Listen, I'm really fascinated by the Deontay Johnson pick. Toledo. You know, this kid flashed. I watched Toledo's offense first for Cody Thompson, who was at the Shrine game. So he was a name that was on the radar because he was at the all-star event and Johnson kept showing up on tape and, you know, he, he's a player that I think is interesting for his addition. When you consider what Pittsburgh has at wide receiver, uh, they just took James Washington in this same general range, I believe as was a third round pick last year. Obviously Juju Smith Schuster looking for the, uh, dynamic explosive plays in the offense that Antonio Brown, his departure has the potential to compromise. We talked about this on air. I'm never going to question Pittsburgh spending a day two pick on a wide receiver because their track record has been phenomenal. Whether it's Martavis Bryant or Juju Smith Schuster, or they got Antonio Brown late. So now Deontay Johnson on top of that, uh, maybe a bit of a surprise to see him go 66, which is pretty high relative to uh, some of the other wide receivers that were still available and on the board. But like I said, Pittsburgh's got a very clear eye for these kinds of things, and it's been one of the the positions that they've drafted exceptionally well. I'm looking forward to seeing if Deontay Johnson can live up to that billing in uh, 2019 and beyond.
0: Kyle, let's talk about this Benny Snell pick. Fourth-round pick. Great pick. uh, 122 overall. Don't mind him in that area. Certainly, you know, he's one of the funnest players to watch in this year's class because of how competitive he is. This is a guy that runs the football with a lot of energy, finishes his runs, and you can tell that he really wants to get every inch available on the football field, as we know, somewhat limited in terms of burst and explosiveness. And in a lot of ways, he's quite similar to James Conner, their feature back. And it's interesting, like... You, you see some teams wanting to get more of the same with their with their backups at running back, and then you see other teams that really want to build this, this, uh, this arsenal, this stable of backs that offer complementary skill sets that give you dynamics that you don't get in the other backs. But it seems like Pittsburgh is taking that approach of, hey, we want to have two bangers here in Snell and Connor and use Jalen Samuels as that X-factor, the guy that's really going to be the pass catcher out of the backfield. There's still a part of me, though, that would have liked to see them get a more shifty guy. Even even though Samuels gives you that receiving ability, a guy with some wiggle and some juice and some burst, do you like the idea of kind of stockpiling power backs? Or are you with me in that, hey, give me some guy with some wiggle?
1: No, I think that this is their offense. You know, this is Le'Veon Bell was good because he was patient, not necessarily because he was super dynamic or wiggle. And then James Conner comes in and it's the same sort of thing. Benny Snell, I think one of the areas that stood out to me when I watched Kentucky that I thought he did a nice job of was setting up his block. So from a strengths and weaknesses perspective, I think it makes sense. I can see why he he's definitely a Pittsburgh type back. And I think Pittsburgh really just wants to make sure and protect themselves so that, you know, should, heaven forbid, something happen to James Conner and he gets injured, their base offense doesn't have to change. They've already got a sub-package guy. If they were going to get a sub-package guy as a third-down guy or a shifty guy or a change of pace, that would have been an area that I would have looked later in the draft. Uh, you think about Darwin Thompson from Utah State as a potential like round four, round, or round six, round seven, round five type guy. I believe he went in round six. Uh, that would have been a different investment as far as just protecting your base offense and your base running game because I think he projects very favorably into that kind of role.
0: Four picks, actually. Well, if you look at the back half of this draft, Zach Gentry, tight end from Michigan, Sutton Smith, Northern Illinois, Isaiah Buggs, uh Alabama defensive lineman, Ulysses Gilbert, the third linebacker, Derwin Gray, offense tackle from Maryland. When I look over this last group here and I try to find, like, the guy that, that's the most interesting to me – and a guy that can help this football team. I guess I go to Isaiah Bugs, this uh, defensive lineman from Alabama. He was super miscast playing on the edge uh, for Alabama. A guy that doesn't necessarily have any length whatsoever and doesn't profile as as an outside edge defender, and and so I'm curious to see how he fits this Pittsburgh defense that is 3-4 heavy. I know that he has a lot of power at the point of attack, but does he have the extension skills to really defend multiple gaps? Is is this going to be more of a a nickel pass rusher that you kick on the inside and say, hey, let's go just pin your ears back and and, and get upfield? Now, the challenge with that is that he doesn't necessarily have the athletic profile, but I think there's a, a, there's a, a place for him in the NFL. I just didn't think a three-four defense was going to be the spot, but I think if you get the best out of him, his flashes, his high points on film, are pretty exciting to me. I'm just curious how he fits this defense. I know he's a late-round pick, so we don't need to like really uh, rip him apart for it. I just think there's a lot of intrigue in terms of how he translates and what his output can be for this defense.
1: My guy Sutton Smith. You know, Sutton Smith's been a guy that I've I've kind of. Been beating the drum on as far as a, a transition to off ball linebacker, and I think this Pittsburgh defense is a perfect situation for him to have the chance to do that. Obviously, Devin Bush is a three down linebacker, right? So, uh, Sutton Smith, his athleticism, there's obviously going to be a projection here, but with that said, I think he's a favorable uh, defender in space, he's got really good athletic ability. Uh, it can be a little bit more of a finesse guy behind this Pittsburgh odd front with the physical guys that they've got and the ability to keep their linebackers clean. Uh, I'm excited to see Sutton Smith, in addition to Devin Bush, adding athleticism to the linebacker position for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, they have they also drafted Ulysses Gilbert, who's 200, just under 230 pounds. So they've gone out and they've really addressed the second level but Sutton Smith, for me, is the one who I think could be a steal because a lot of teams uh, maybe didn't want to invest the time and energy into transitioning him from edge, which is where he played at uh, Northern Illinois. But I think the base athletic package is, is terrific. And at 175, it's such a logical spot to to roll the dice in an area of the draft where it's pretty rare that you're going to get any kind of return anyway. So to get an elite linebacker or an elite set of linebacker traits from an athleticism perspective, and now you just have to coach him up on how to play the position. He might not be a guy that makes an impact in year one or year two, but as this team continues to look to transition and get into their next winning window, Sutton Smith is a player who I think could eventually be a starter for the Steelers.
0: Kyle, ready to shift gears to the Baltimore Ravens here, and this is Eric DaCosta's first draft as the general manager of the Baltimore Ravens, of course, replacing Ozzie Newsome, who had a legendary run as their lead man. And obviously, we got to talk about the speed that was Mm. added to this wide receiver core. Of course, the premier name, the number one pick, Marquise Brown, Oklahoma wide receiver. He's 166 pounds. He's got that foot injury but his value in terms of speed to this offense is really exciting. You and I had talked a lot over the course of the winter, looking back at the first round quarterbacks from 2018 and trying to figure out who are the right receivers to add to maximize their the, the skill sets of the quarterbacks. And so, I was kind of hung up on, hey, we, Lamar Jackson. We need to get him a guy with size, a guy with that ability to go up and get the football and really separate vertically. And and by the end of I don't know what uh, five pretty exhaustive discussions about these quarterbacks, you would kind of convinced me that hey, the best thing that you can do for a quarterback with like Lamar Jackson, who doesn't necessarily give you that pinpoint accuracy, is give him a guy that can separate and you can really uh, uh, maximize uh, that those that in, that variance at the in terms of his ball placement with a guy that's going to be open and have plenty of space available to work and so uh, you get a guy here that is is one of the most electric dynamic speed guys in this year's class and you get excited about some of the spacing problems that this offense can create when you talk about Marquise Brown's ability to take the to top off the defense, but he's also very creative with the football in his hands. The question here is health, right? He's small. He's got that Liz Frank injury. Does it rob him of explosiveness? You really hope not. But if he's healthy, we know what he can be. We have saw this guy really dominate at Oklahoma, and I think that he's the right type of receiver to pair with Lamar Jackson.
1: Well, it's funny. We had this debate. We went back and forth, and you convinced me the other way around that what? a guy who, that a guy <laughs> with size like would, would that's where he thrived with Jalen Smith at at Louisville. Yeah. And uh, they actually went out and they got one of these guys at the end of the top one hundred with Miles Boykin, much more explosive version of Jalen Smith. So uh, I, I think they stayed true to their uh, their clear need, which was they wanted to add explosiveness, uh, but they took one of each of these guys, a guy that can win in contested situations and has a big body and pretty rare athletic traits. Uh, So kind of cool to see them, with speed being the primary uh, filter, address the wide receiver position with both of our arguments, really, in the top 100 doing that. And, Joe, we talked a little bit about when you add in the Justice Hill pick, uh, this team, you have to think, with Lamar Jackson being the quarterback, is – Going to be as close to a college spread system as you will find in the NFL. And uh, Ben Solak, who was on the, the broadcast with us on day three, you know, when, when they drafted Ben Powers, he did a, a really nice job talking about uh, some of the, the run concepts that they ran in Oklahoma that Baltimore borrowed with Lamar Jackson being the passer there. And Joe, you made a great point before we got on the air today talking about the perfect coach that they have in Greg Roman. Uh, to implement some of these concepts.
0: Hey, you know what's a pretty good idea? Taking one of the most dynamic and electric football players that we've ever seen play college football and uh and and recreating those same di- same dynamics in the NFL and allowing him to be successful. My god, like did is there is there NFL defenses that are ready for this speed? And then it's funny because they got those big tight ends, right? All those guys at the you know, Mark Andrews and Hayden Hurst and Nick right. Boyle and all these guys. There's this is this is a really fun group of offensive personnel, but uh, like I mentioned, and you you reminded me is this Greg Roman. I really believe in his ability to tie this all together and maximize these skill sets. I want to talk a little bit more about Justice Hill because I think he's such a fun player. Inside-outside run ability, a little bit smaller, but I was always so disappointed watching his tape that he didn't get more involved in the receiving game. We're not talking about like a total non-existent contributions in the receiving game like a guy like Devin Singletary, but Justice Hill is a guy that whenever he he got chances to catch the football, he looked very natural catching it, and I know that he has the traits to separate and, and create space, But also, what he can do with the football in his hands. Very creative. I like his contact balance, but he's an escape artist, right? You put this guy in tight quarters, and he has an uncanny ability to really find his way out of those spots. He can make people miss in a phone booth, and now he compliments Gus Edwards and and, and Mark Ingram, right? Is this football team added Mark Ingram? Yeah. Correct on that? Yep. And so you've got, you've kind of got, you know, A little bit different what we were talking about with Pittsburgh, that these are complementary guys. You have the juicy wiggle guys. You've got the power, and and you've got guys that can catch the football, bang between the tackles, and, of course, the most dynamic quarterback maybe in the NFL in terms of what he can do with his arms and his feet.
1: I want to talk about one more player out of this class, Joe. We look at day three. The day three selections were Justice Hill. Ben Powers at 123, on Marshall at 127, Dalen Mack at 160, who's a quintessential Ravens pick. Yep. That, that's a perfect pick. <laughs> and then Trace McSorley at 197. I want to talk a little bit about Trace McSorley and the fact that he was drafted at the end of the sixth round, a top 200 selection, which was a bit of a surprise to me. But then you think about the offense that they're going to be implementing and you think about how unique that's going to be in terms of other offenses across the pros. And then you think about what Penn State ran and how much of a college spread type offense McSorley ran for years, especially under uh, Coach Moorhead there when before he left for Mississippi State. And I think it's a logic, as logical of a landing spot as you could have expected to find for Trace McSorley. Uh, the ability to use his legs and, and be a runner makes sense. Uh, this is by all means of probably a developmental pick. They still have Robert Griffin uh, on the roster to be the backup there. So this is potentially a practice squad slash uh, QB three that you, you don't expect to probably dress for a whole lot of games uh, unless he's pressed into action with injuries to either Lamar or Robert Griffin. But uh If you were going to tell me Trace was going to get drafted and you think about what Baltimore made clear their plan is for their offense with the other moves that they made bringing in so much speed with Justice Hill and thinking about Justice Hill and Lamar Jackson running zone read and defenders isolated trying to handle that on the mesh point and uh, Hollywood Brown, Miles Boykin, uh, they're, they're really looking to stress and space the field and win with speed out of the backfield. Trace McSorley as a quarterback can give you some of that so um, would have been one of my top choices after the end of day two if you said hey Trace is going to get drafted on day three at the end where do you think he's going to go Baltimore would have been right up there for me
0: yeah it's always important to consider when we are evaluating prospects that we are doing it in a vacuum and not for a specific team or scheme and sometimes there's players that we're going to be lower on that go to situations and you say "Ah, I get it that's going to be the right spot to maximize their skill set Last comment I want to make about this Ravens draft class is obviously Jalen Ferguson, uh, third round pick. You know, forty plus sacks in college, kind of a polarizing player throughout the process. He winds up going uh, in the top one hundred, eighty five overall, and he's interesting to me because you know he's got some limitations. Obviously, when you consider this man's lack of bend and flexibility, uh, you, you 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 worry about him being a a truly dynamic edge rusher. But the way that he's capable of being dynamic isn't going to be consistently bending and and really getting outside that outside hip of an offensive tackle and and getting underneath pads. What he does is he's a bull rusher. He's a guy that converts speed to power and has really heavy hands and knows how to disengage. He's just going to have to win a little bit differently. Now they've had success with this type of player, if you consider, you know, uh, Zedarius Smith, you know, a player that was very productive for them. I don't think he'll have as much success in space that Zedarius Smith has, but I know that Jalen, Jalen Ferguson, if you're looking for a guy that's really going to collapse the pocket and really condense things and, and, and and make things uncomfortable from quarterbacks and really complementing that with some speed and and pressure from other areas, there's a role here for for him. And I trust that this Raven staff can, can really maximize him.
1: Right. And, uh, I guess I kind of glossed right over him there, didn't I? I was like, no, oh, we'll talk about I one was more guy. You left it <laughs> on the table for me, man. Uh, Ferguson, his addition, I think, is the perfect kind of answer to losing Zadarius Smith to the Green Bay Packers. So uh, again, taking some of these traits, uh, it put putting them through the filter of specific team requirements, and seeing that the the role that the Ravens had with Zadarius Smith makes this a sensible selection. Even if it is maybe a little bit earlier than, than maybe I would have ideally preferred, considering some of the athletic limitations that he has. But it's it's the whole Dave Gettleman complex, right? If you don't draft Daniel Jones at six, you won't get him at seventeen. So you got to go get your guy. And if he was the guy that that they really wanted to target, and uh, their their draft process dictated that they felt comfortable at this spot, we'll see if they're right or wrong in the long haul. But I think this is an opportunity to give Jalen Ferguson. As good of pro success as possible, considering the vacant role that Zadarius Smith left when he left uh, for the Green Bay Packers this offseason.
0: A couple of programming notes here before we wrap. Uh, No takes on takes this week. We're going to take a break from takes on takes, continue working on uh, some divisional recaps, uh, actually finishing the AFC North tomorrow. So these type of podcasts is what you can expect for the rest of the month, but takes on takes will continue next week and each week thereafter. So go ahead and start getting them into us. At Grinding the Tape is Kyle Krabs. I am at the Joe Marino. Hashtag is Takes on Takes. We have a lot uh, of draft picks and stuff to get to, so make sure you get in those takes, and we'll let you know what we think about them in the coming weeks, but not tomorrow.
1: And we want to thank you for carving time out of this lovely Monday. It's beautiful uh here in the Queen City of Charlotte. Joe and I are getting ready to go out to lunch Uh, We're going to party a little bit now that the draft uh, process is over and we have some answers on where teams have gone and inevitably continue to talk about football for the next 12 hours before we go to bed and wake up and record Draft Dudes and do it all over again. So that's uh, football guys here on the Draft Dudes. Make sure you come back and see us again tomorrow. Thanks, as always, for listening to the Draft Dudes podcast.